Well, hey, welcome to the Inside Redemption podcast. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm part of the executive team of Redemption Arizona and lead the Gateway Congregation. And in these conversations, what we're trying to do is take you a little bit behind the scenes, lift up the hood a little bit, and help you see what's going on across redemption. There's really just some amazing people, amazing leaders, amazing stuff happening that uh, we just kind of think, man, if, if you knew about this, if you're part of Redemption Church and you heard about it, you'd go, gosh, that's pretty dang cool. And today, we have an opportunity to expand our horizons with not just one guest, not just two guests. I think we're setting a record here for the podcast. We've got three guests today. So we've got Tyler Thompson and Malia Rogers and Caleb Wiseman from Redemption Arcadia, specifically Arcadia Worship is where you can find them on iTunes and Spotify and all the different stuff. We're going to have a fun conversation today about music and worship. So, uh, hey, everybody. Hey, Luke. Hey. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just so everyone can kind of get acquainted with your voices, because I know when I listen to something, I go, well, now who's the one talking? So, sure. uh, Tyler, you're the um, the raspy fellow over here. Yeah, uh, I, I woke up with a frog today, and, and it's not good for a singing voice or a podcast, but I'll do my best. I think it's pretty good for a podcast. It's a little smoky. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's nice. There so, we go. So, Tyler, what's your role at Redemption Arcadia? Uh, I'm the pastor of communities and worship at Redemption Arcadia, and so I oversee our redemption communities as well as our worship ministry. Awesome. And Caleb, what about you? Yeah, I'm the creative arts director at Redemption Arcadia. Okay. And uh, I I write songs and lead worship and do creative arts. Do creative you direct arts. creative yeah. arts. That makes sense. And Malia? I'm a worship director um, at Arcadia, so I get to do things with worship and then I also do our social media and stuff like that. Awesome. And so, Caleb and Malia, you guys just uh, not too long ago joined uh, the staff full time. You'd been on part time. I think it's always really kind of cool when somebody's doing such a great job part-time that the leaders go, we really could use them full-time. Uh, in reality, it's usually like, we're going to actually start paying you for the <laughs> for the more than part-time work that you've been doing. Um, but man, it's great to have you guys here. And um, for those of you that aren't familiar, Arcadia uh, Redemption Arcadia is one of the original congregations of Redemption Church that was formed in a merger in 2011. It was a second location of Praxis Church and uh, then became Redemption Arcadia. And uh, man, there's just been a lot of uh, cool things that have happened over the years. Um, Tyler, why don't you just kind of get people a little bit acquainted if they maybe haven't been to Redemption Arcadia. Where is it? What's it like? Uh, what would a Sunday there feel like? That kind of thing. Yeah, Redemption Arcadia is at 32nd Street in Camelback, and uh, it's a congregation of roughly about 450, 475 attending on a Sunday. Uh, it's two services, 9 and 10.45 a.m. And oftentimes at Arcadia, it's a group of people that are involved in the marketplace uh, because Arcadia is really a, a part of the marketplace in Phoenix, Arizona. And so sure. a lot of folks that come to Arcadia are involved in the city, uh, whether that be through business or through uh, even government, that sort of thing. Uh, it's a really actually diverse uh, age group, age range. We, we, we've we gotten younger in the last few years, which is really interesting. Uh, quite a, a few young folks that came over the past two years. Uh, heavy uh, contingency from Grand Canyon University. So uh, Yeah, a couple of them sitting here with us today. Yep, yeah, yeah, lopes up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so we, we actually oftentimes have uh, uh, students from Grand Canyon that, that intern with us um, and are part of the ministry and then eventually find their ways into positions like Caleb and Malia have. Yeah, um, it's a wonderful church. We we partner with a couple of local um, ministries, uh, Hope Women's Center, and uh, alongside ministries, um, uh, the prison ministry there, and so we enjoy um, sharing the gospel uh, with people in Arcadia. And so Frank Switzer is the lead pastor there. I know that he has in the past sang on some choirs, maybe on special <laughs> events like Easter or Christmas or something. Is uh, how musical is Frank, Caleb? Frank's on the record. Frank's on, Frank's our, on the record. Our first, our first single called "Clear the Room." He's he's in our our gang vocal. Was that choir. like, hey, that's how you got the titles? Clear the room. Frank's voice is so bad, we <laughs> yes. don't even have to hear it. Clear the room. That's where it came that's from. That's where it came yeah, from. Perfect. The, the full inspiration right there. He tells people at Easter and Christmas that if he can sing in the choir, anybody can sing in the choir. And is he right? He's he's right. Because sometimes as people right say that, but it's like you actually have a good voice. At other times, it's like no. Anyone can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank does a good job, and and we do like to have a choir a couple times a year, and and uh, he, it's one of his favorite Sundays of the year. You know, I I'm told by worship leaders that one of the most encouraging things you can have as a worship leader is a lead pastor in particular who's really into it. Would yeah. you agree with that, Malia? Yeah, that's huge. Um, Frank is a great example of he's the biggest championer of all of the things that we we do, and um, 
anytime we do one of our songs, like maybe for the first time at in a service, Frank will come up to like do the benediction and is always they wrote this song and super excited about it. He's so proud. He's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so part of why we're talking is you guys have been recording and releasing new music under the name Arcadia Worship. And yeah, you can find that on Spotify or iTunes or the other platforms people listen to music on. I don't I don't yeah, even know. It's it, it on YouTube. Amazon, Pandora, YouTube. There you go. And so, yeah, so we want to get into that and talk about that. But all of you kind of come from a, a, a worship background. Tyler, you have like formal training in music. Yeah, there, that's right. Uh, I, I went to school for it. I uh, got a degree, a bachelor's degree in vocal performance and master's degree in, in vocal performance and, and really uh, love the the vocal side of these things, but also piano and instrumentals. Uh, Kayla and Malia both studied worship arts at Grand Canyon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. E- either of you, uh, did you guys grow up kind of getting formal training or did you just always liked music and self-taught or how'd that work? Yeah, I um, took voice lessons like early high school through college then at GCU. Um, but nothing too crazy. I'd come from a really small town, so limited opportunities to to really study that. Um, but I always had an interest in music. Where did you grow up, Malia? Um, I grew up in Sutton, Nebraska. It's a town of 1,500 people um, in the southeastern corner of Nebraska. I always tell people I grew up in the middle of cornfields. There's not a lot out there other than just agricultural stuff. Wow. And so is is worship and music what brought you to gcu yeah i am i really didn't want to go to school and my parents were like you have to go to college um and i wanted to find like a contemporary music program i knew i wanted to do music and wasn't even sure if i wanted to do music in the church i grew up in the church but i didn't grow up with worship music in the church um and so I ended up seeing an ad for GCU, and, and it, it was one of the only places that I was willing to even check out, and then it ended up being perfect, and hmm. um, and now I'm out here. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear from each of you. So you, Malia, since you're, you're already talking, what are your earliest memories of music in church? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a super conservative, traditional, reformed church um, back home. Um, it's actually part of the RCUS, and so- Are you Dutch? Um, I'm, well, yes, I guess, okay. <laughs> but yeah, very German reformed, Dutch reformed okay. churches down there. Um, and so I grew up only singing hymns, um, and it was either organ or piano, depending on which person was free to play that week. Um, and no like choir, like no worship pastor, just the pastor would mute his, his lapel and we'd all sing the hymn together. Do you know, do you have any idea if that was by conviction or just practicality, like, resources them. or yeah. you know like I think you know why they did that thing, way? totally I think just they really took a lot of pride and emphasis on the tradition of things and yeah. so I think um we even like had the hymnals it was like not really an option to have words or lyrics we had the hymnals with the notes and everything and I think it was just a lot of leaning into the tradition and the history of um our tradition and the reformed kind of faith yeah, it's funny, my, my oldest daughter, who now plays in our worship band here at Redemption Gateway, um, she's almost 16, and when she was, I think, seven, she took a trip with my mom and, you know, some cousins and stuff to Georgia, mm-hmm. and they sat in on a Sunday school class that Jimmy Carter teaches. I don't know if he still does it, but at the time he was still teaching a Sunday school class, and so they're in this very traditional Baptist church in Georgia with pews and uh, hymnals, and my daughter asked my mom, uh, what is this? And they're like, it's a, it's a hymnal. And she goes, this is like Little House on the Prairie, right? Because yeah. she'd only ever experienced kind of contemporary cool. church. But That's but you grew lot. up in a very <laughs> traditional kind of thing. And yeah, pews, uh, yeah, the whole thing in the standing and sitting and standing in the whole service is super traditional, but the same thing every week, just different hymns, I guess. But yeah. so, so now do you, do you find yourself kind of drawn to that and appreciate that or is it kind of like i've had enough of that like not that you yeah. judge anyone who does it that way preference wise like how, where are you on that yeah i think um preference wise i'm somewhere in the middle i think all of the rich like theology and in the words um i think i i still love that stuff about the hymns this past sunday i just i got to lead and i put two hymns in there which is pretty normal two hymns wow two hymns in there on a Sunday. Um, but I, I love the hymns. I think I also um, am a little turned off by just the dry. I remember 
a lot of Sundays just not just checking out and not really paying attention to what we were singing. And I think that appreciation has come from having space to kind of figure out what a world with both of those things with the contemporary and the hymns looks like. Um, But no, I have definitely appreciation and, and value and am thankful for my upbringing in that church with the hymns. So, but I think there's a balance. So yeah, sure. Yeah. What about you, Caleb? What are your early memories of music and church? Yeah. I uh, wanted so badly to be on my youth group worship team and my youth pastor was like, Dude, you suck. I was, like, <laughs> I, was, I was really bad. I was entirely tone deaf. Oh, wow. Wanted to like play guitar, but was like pretty bad at it. Uh, finally, he let me go up on stage and play acoustic guitar unplugged okay. during, during youth group. And I just worked so hard to like to finally join the, the worship band. And Why did you want to join the worship band? I think mostly because I was like, oh, yeah, like music's like how you become like music in the church is how you become a rock star okay Um, and so when I was 12 I was like yeah that's how you do it you just like (laughs) like the first Sunday I played in youth group I brought a change of clothes okay from like game time to like worship time and I brought your leather pants and yeah yeah poor poor (laughs) idea of what worship in the church was for at the time but it's funny uh Josh Watt who's our uh, pastor at Redemption North Mountain he used to be at Redemption Gateway, and when his little guy Elijah was little, he came to church. One, you know, normally he was in Sunday school, but one Sunday he came, and he said, "Dad, how come Mister Brazelton gets to be God?" <laughs> and, and his dad was like, "What?" He said, "Well, everyone sings. Everyone sings to Mister Brazelton. Ma- Matthew Brazelton's one of our worship leaders at Gateway." And uh, he said, "Oh, well, they're not singing to him. They're all just facing him, and he's up on a stage. So I see why you thought that, but." So that was kind of what got you into this. You're going, I need, I want these people to sing to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, maybe it wasn't quite that crude or was it? it, No, it it maybe was. Okay. It maybe was. (laughs) I, uh, I heard Owl City for the first time and I was like, that dude's like making entire records in his basement. And so I, I was in, I was interested in the process of, of creating original music. And I thought that youth group worship band was like a good place to start with that and had lots of friends there and really admired my youth pastor and and from there grew in the love of the church and and the love of leading worship and how how do you go from being tone deaf to being able to be like a good singer a A lot of people listening would love to know probably yeah just years and years of practice and begging people for honest feedback and there there have been some that have actually given helpful feedback (laughs) When did it go? When did it go from like you're awful to like, eh, it's okay. (laughs) Like, how long did that take? Yeah, like probably when I was 18 is when it was like usable. Up till then, my parents were like, "He wants to do music as a career." Like, I don't think this is going to work. You're like one of those early American Idol uh, reject videos, you know, where people are like, "Who let this guy audition?" Yeah, but don't you kept trying. Don't Google that actually. <laughs> Are you on there? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that should, would be amazing. We should point out uh that Caleb still brings, and this is insider baseball, but yeah. he still brings an extra change of clothes when he comes on Sunday mornings. <laughs> and he actually tells all of us what we should wear on Sunday mornings too, which is helpful he? helpful for me. Yeah. Does he color coordinate? Color we we do color sure. coordinate. Do yeah. you? Wow. At, at least on Easter. Like various shades of black and gray or Oh, no. Black, gray, tans. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what about you? What are your early memories of music in church? So I grew up in Phoenix, and uh, even though I was, I was born in California, but I grew up in Phoenix and uh, attended a church called uh, Shiloh Community Church, okay. uh, which is over 32nd Street in Union Hills in, in North Phoenix. And um, the lead pastor, I was thinking about this when, when Malia was saying, and when you guys were talking about the lead pastor uh, being behind the worship team, our lead pastor at that time, his name was Tom Garishay, and he used to uh, come and play drums on the worship team, and then he'd get up and preach. And I and I always thought, uh, what a neat uh, statement that was, that the lead mm-hmm. pastor wanted to be a part of the worship team and, and, and support the congregation and the worship leader in that way. So I kind of grew up with, um, it was most, mostly like Maranatha music, like, okay. know, Lord, I lift your name on high, that yeah. kind of stuff. I should just talk down here the whole time and be good. Oh, you just keep singing, man. I like that. <laughs> 
And uh, I loved, I loved actually just the the heartfelt um, expression of praise for God that came out of the Maranatha move, movement, even though it could at times be a little bit cheesy. Yeah, I, I actually just loved that sort of simple heartfelt praise from the congregation, and so that was kind of what I grew up in um, in church at, at Shiloh and some other places here in Phoenix. Uh, when I got to college, I actually had some people introduce me into into classical music, which um, okay. when I was growing up in Phoenix, it, there were, there was not much classical music going on in Phoenix. Um, but I found that I actually just loved that more, even more ancient expression mm-hmm. or even more traditional expression of music and the artistic nature of, and, uh, the high art value mm-hmm. of, of classical music. Um, and so I, I sort of was able to integrate some of the more, um, at that time, what was current worship music uh, with sort of this practice of more of excellence in the mm-hmm. classical field wow. and see what what could be merged into uh, uh, an offering of music that would be sort of timeless, but also uh current and contemporary. Huh. And so some, some of what we're doing on the album, we're, we're attempting to do some of that, take some of the best um, um, material from, from sort of the timeless tradition mm-hmm. of worship, uh, but then also be very current with what's going on in, in the field of music at this time. Yeah. I was in Germany a couple months ago and got to be in Leipzig where Bach uh, was mm. the worship pastor, essentially, for uh, St. Thomas there. And I mean, now that church is i don't know if you've any of you've been there but it's it's a bit like a memorial to bach almost but in a way that i'm not sure he would be that comfortable with but Mm -hmm. but he would i mean he i didn't realize that like the core thing he did in writing music was write music for the church and he would my understanding is write fresh stuff like a fresh set of music from scratch basically every week yeah that's right and and so, I mean, my big question then is, what the heck are you guys doing all day? <laughs> yeah, can we get on that? Well, that's why we need Caleb and Malia to be full-time. As Good a, gracious. A, yeah, create a, that a music. full six-song album every week. You know, something that's interesting about that as well is that uh, people actually didn't know about Bach's music until another composer came along, and that was Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn found Bach's music and then mm. made it public. Oh, wow. Prior to that, and that was years later, uh, prior to that, um, Bach's music was really only known to the church. Mm. And so th- that that speaks to a little bit about what we've been talking about with this project as well is that we really wanted to write this music uh, sort of for the church body that we belong to and have it come out of the stories of our church body. Yeah. And then if God uses it beyond that sort of the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth kind of thing, we wanted to write it from and for our church. And then if God uses that in other congregations, other churches sure. that, that praise him for that. Wow. So, um, you're driving home on a Sunday. All three of you are involved in leading worship, playing in the band, doing different stuff. Uh, you know, different times. You're you're driving home on Sunday, um, and you're thinking, "How'd it go today? What 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 are the filters? What are the criteria? Like, what are the things going through your head to make you go, eh? Yeah, eh, uh, it was okay. Or like, man, today was unbelievable. Like, how do you how do you determine that? I love this question because I think part of the beauty of the way that the three of us work together is that we all kind of think really differently about things. So, so I'm Malia's like, it was a home run and you're like, it was garbage. Yes. This will happen all the time. Okay. Which is, great. that's really interesting. It's great because I, I think it pushes us to be better on multiple fronts. So like one of the things that I'm thinking about often on a Sunday is did the band feel tight and consistent? Did all the songs feel like they belong together? Did, did the congregation, like, was the congregation bumping their heads? Like, like, were they vibing? Okay. And I mean, Malia, you can, you can share too. Yeah, I think totally. He's thinking about all of those things, which is great because it covers all the gaps that I have with, I think my first thought is even just yesterday, I was driving home and thinking through, yeah, how did the day go? And there are little things that I think are always obvious to us of little things that went wrong that the congregation probably didn't notice. But um, I think my biggest thing is, were they singing? Was God glorified? Were, was the congregation participating in singing? And then by and large, was the band together? I think, again, if there are obvious like transition issues and things like that, um, those are the things that I kind of think about. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, well, probably a pretty okay Sunday. Mm. Um and I think what we find through all of that is like 
all three of us see all these little things that went wrong behind the scenes. And by and large, the congregation was like, that was awesome. And so I really think it's interesting to see all of the ways that we kind of think about those things differently. And ultimately it's like, was the congregation singing was God worshiped and yeah. Well, it's a little hard to discern, right? Because it's like really you're doing it for the Lord. Totally. Right. Right. Everything you're preparing, you, you have people in mind, but it's like, this is what we're together bringing to the Lord. This is a gift. This is an offering to him, but he never really tells you. Yeah. I liked it. That was good. Yeah. Or, uh, eh, you know, I don't know. And it's interesting because when you read the scriptures on the places where the Lord does kind of tip his hand on that, it usually has more to do with the condition of the heart than mm. the skill of the harpist. You know, yeah. so a couple of things that I was thinking about that is, is, is one, as a pastor of worship, one of the things I've been so thankful for with Caleb and Malia is, is that we really do end up being better together in the different approaches. And so yeah. I, can, I can know that Caleb's going to look at the production and be thinking about excellence in that area. And I can know that Malia is going to be thinking about formation and liturgy and, and congregational singing in a way that's going to be excellent in that area. It's part of what has made our team um, really, I think, successful during this season has been that we've, we've used the, the diversity of approach and kind of blended that together really in a way that, that, Redemption is attempting to do with better together across the board. Sure, mm-hmm. um, and then you know a second thing that I would say about that, and you and you know this from from preaching that that there are times that you come away from a sermon and you think to yourself, man, that was a home run. That like like I I, I was going to spike my Bible on the way yeah, down the steps. <laughs> that's yeah. right, and and uh, and you you come to find out that nobody in your congregation thought it was a home run. Right, um, oh, oh, and there's other times when when you know you, you think to yourself, wow, I made a mistake here and there, and and I should have said it this way instead of that way, and. And you can be surprised by God and overwhelmed with how many people appreciated what was what was said in that moment. Yeah, they'll come and go, man, when you said this, and I go, I don't think I said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I don't think I would say that. But somehow it that's what they heard, and it Lord touched them. Yeah, it's wild. And that, that I think, is one of my favorite things about the, the sort of the worship experience is that there can be things that we didn't intend or plan on, but that the Spirit of God uses in a way that is just a beautiful time of worship. Um, and moves among the, co- the corporate body in a way that we an- didn't anticipate or surprised by the spirit in that mm-hmm. way. Um, and, and I'm really thankful for that. And we can, we can analyze and we can adjust and we can improve all that we want. But at the end of the day, the spirit's going to do what he's going to do with what, with the offering that we put a, a, out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When I think about a great worship service, like the win that I've thought of over the years for it is, is that we want to surprise people with the significance of Jesus and the joy of his people. And that idea being that really the surprise, we're not surprising people with, whoa, I didn't expect that pyrotechnic thing to happen, or I didn't expect someone to ride in on a motorcycle. Not that kind of surprise, but like, wow, this is more, this is a bigger deal than I thought. Or wow, these people are way more into this than I would expect. Yeah. Or man, why, are, what is this? Like kind of piquing the curiosity of people, even if they're not Christians, that they're going, huh, yeah, there's something to this. I think to tag on to that, with with the growth and that we've experienced in this area as a team, I think it's kind of allowed us to just have more fun on Sundays. Yeah, like on a Sunday when we get to lead, it's just a blast to to worship and and, and play music and and sing to sing to God and yeah. sing with our congregation with this unified heart of all just wanting to to truly worship together. I, I yeah. love that experience, and I think we've all just grown to enjoy it more, sure. which is a really sweet fruit of that yeah well not to throw shade on anybody in the past but it's been interesting because as i've as i was at arcadia a few months ago just the temperature of the participation has gone way up there's always been i mean everyone who's ever been involved in leading worship at arcadia has always been musically strong it's always been i think the music has always been a high quality experience at arcadia but more and more in, in my recent experiences of it which haven't been a ton but you just kind of sense that the temperature's rising in terms of it's a little less spectator, a little more participation. And I think that's uh, somehow a testimony to what you guys are doing in terms of your presence and what you're trying to do with the music and all of that stuff. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned for Arcadia. So I've got, I've got kind of a two part question, I guess. And uh, any of you can take a stab at this, but what do you think makes a good song when it comes to worship? kind of part one part two what makes a good song for arcadia so maybe start with that just in general when you think about okay 
a, a song that excites me to lead or do as a as a worship leader what what are the ingredients of a song like that so you, you mentioned earlier the idea of heart and skill and that God's prioritizing the heart. And, and I agree with that. And uh, one of my favorite passages on, on worship, not everybody talks about it as a worship pass, passage, but in 1 Samuel 16, when, when David's being selected as king, and mm-hmm. uh, we actually talked a little bit about this with David Beldman and, and, and okay. in, in a recent uh, pastor's collective that we had um, coming up for our Saul and David uh, preaching series coming up this, this later on this year. Yeah. Um, David is selected because he's got a heart that, mm-hmm. that, that is after God's heart. And, and, and the prophet actually says, don't look at his outward appearance, look at his heart, right? Yeah. And so it's clear from Scripture that God prioritizes the heart of the matter. But then later on, we're, we're hearing about his beautiful eyes and we're hearing about mm-hmm. his good playing and the fact that he was a, skilled with the harp. And so obviously the skill matters as well and excellence matters as well. So I think if we can prioritize those things and have the heart of the issue be the most important, but pursue an excellence of skill in the process, mm-hmm. I think I think that that's a, that's a pattern that uh, will lead to fruit in the worship area. Mm. So for I think for a good song, I think the content of the song, the heart of the song, Song, sort yeah. of what what is the center of what that song is saying I think is a, a prime um, of, of prime importance for us mm-hmm. but we want to make sure that on top of that that we're pursuing the excellence musically and excellence with production and all of that yeah are there particular kinds of uh, songs that you just find yourself really drawn to absolutely uh, I think Caleb should answer that question because he's he, he he's uh, I have a sense he has some opinions about he has this. some opinions and, and he also introduces us to, to new music that I would never know existed oh okay yeah go ahead Caleb you're the one playing arcade fire for me today that's right that's oh, right. nice um yeah I think when I think when I'm thinking about something that is a, a good song I'm thinking a lot about one the the singability um, which is an interesting thing because you go to a Harry Styles concert or arcade fire concert and all the fans are singing along. So like there's this question of people just sing songs that they love. Hmm. Yeah. And so I think as we've been writing, we've been kind of exploring, we, we want this to be something that's accessible to our congregation and, and singable, but also able to push boundaries and, and think about how we're, how we're pushing the creative context of, Christian art. Okay. Um, I think about that a lot. I think about just something that's not going to sound the same as, as everything else that's out there right now. Okay. Yeah. So a good song has some element of uniqueness for you. Yeah, I think so. Yet I don't feel afraid of singing something that has already been sung before because there's truths that, that we want to, to repeat and sing together and yeah. So I think there's some mixture of all of it, but I, I'm always just thinking about lyric excellence and production excellence and sounds that sound kind of different than something I've heard before. Yeah. Even, even beyond just like contemporary pop music right now, like, right. uh, Can the church do something that's different than even that? Yeah. I think about that a lot. That's interesting. So what, um, what then makes a good song for Redemption Arcadia? And Caleb, you and Malia are kind of doing most of the songwriting. Is that right? Yeah. So a lot of the songs. Team effort. but Yeah, team effort for sure. Yeah. A lot of these songs have come out of writing sessions with uh, people on our team. So so me and and Thompson and Malia and a few other folks on our team at Arcadia have been writing with other folks out in Nashville and here in Phoenix and, and other more pro songwriters in the world. And so you're writing stuff and I mean, tons of, I mean, this is what's hard about music, right? So much of it is subjective, right? Totally. You know, some people love Harry Styles and Arcade Fire. Some people hate those, you know, yeah, just whatever. It's very, it's very subjective. But when you're kind of intuitively going, okay, this isn't just a cool song that would be kind of a cool song for everyone, but this is a, this is a good song for our congregation. Mm. How, uh, what is that? What does that feel like? I mean, I think it varies even just with the three of us. That varies a lot. Um, But I think the moments, I think of the moments in this writing process when I've sat in the room and just been like, wow, that's a great song. I think it, it's like very churchy to say, but I think it goes back to just that like gospel moment 
where mm-hmm. like and we do that in different ways and like Caleb said like these songs aren't just like every other song that's been written about Jesus died and rose again and we're free mm-hmm. but like the same message in the same gospel thread that's all throughout scripture we're um, kind of referencing and and writing songs about that in a different way in a way that's personal to maybe the stories from our church and even thinking specifically of people in our church when we're writing that. But I think the aha moment in the room when it's like, I think that's really going to hit and I think that's really going to be awesome mm-hmm. is, is boils down to that moment when it's about Jesus and what he did. And however we get there in the song and whatever the story and the arc is like in the song, I think that gospel moment truly is what makes a great song mm. for us. Um, well, a lot of it, it seems like is you guys are embedded in that community, right? So it's not like the people of Redemption Arcadia have all these really profound needs that no one else on planet earth has. Right. It's not like you guys are writing about concepts that no one else has access to. You're writing about the same stuff, but it's, but it's all emerging out of this soil that kind of is Redemption Arcadia. And so inherently it, yeah. maybe it just kind of fits. Yeah, something we were saying a lot at the beginning of the writing process for this first album was we're writing songs for our congregation, from our congregation, mm, yeah. from, from the stories that, that we know and, and the hurt and, and the ways that God has moved. And um, I think that led to a lot of moments in writing sessions. Uh, I, I, think of, uh, I think of a song called Only Jesus that we were writing, and a lot of that session was just a really worshipful moment where we were as a as the writing team getting to worship while we were while we were writing and in terms of it coming out of the experience of the the body of christ at arcadia uh like one of the lines in that song was that we used gentle and lowly as as one of the lines from from Mm. like the ortland book that we had been reading through as as a a church yeah um and so that line is is there in the only jesus song uh or i think about in the uh infinite song that we have coming out there's a line that says no book can contain him Mm. and before we uh, were worried about any kind of heresy there there at all we were looking at the gospel of john we're at the end of the book of john it says not all the books in all the world could contain or could 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 hold these stories of who jesus is and what he did what he did yeah so 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 much of those lines are coming out of the where where god is leading us as a body of believers together that's fun it's yeah. fun. So let's talk about writing a song. And I, I realize sometimes a song just it all comes together and it's magic. A lot of times it's laborious. Sometimes you got a hook and you got a few lines and you just kind of, you know, weave it together. But but talk about like let's say for instance, clear the room is uh, one of the, you know, it was the first most recent kind of single you guys just put out. Yeah. Um, how did that song get written? Uh, and how typical is is the process? related to how that song came about. So I think that that song was a fun process. And I, I think they all are sort of, like you said, laborious. Like, they're all a lot of work. Um, but we love the process. <laughs> um, more often than not, a, a song comes out of a session with three to six people. There's eight different writers on Clear the Room. And, okay. And, and it took some editing and... Um, but, but that song came out of a session where we were all sitting together and just thinking about what, what we wanted to say. And someone was on a computer kind of building the track and getting the vibe going. And while we're thinking about the track and, and, and feeling that vibe where we were thinking about lyrics and, and, and what we wanted to say and, and what we wanted to bring home to our, to our church. And from there we got lyrics finished up and recorded a demo and, we were in Nashville at the time. We does we it kind of, but, but I, I get, so just, and again, this is mechanics, but yeah, yeah, is it like someone writes a draft and people contribute to it? Is it like you're on a whiteboard and someone writes the first line and next person goes, Oh, I know what would go good with that. And like, what, what how's that work? Yeah. So it, it depends that that's kind of dependent on the song. So on clear the room, we had a, a good draft to start out with. And then from there we, scrapped some stuff that that we weren't feeling and added stuff in and and it really was just kind of everyone tag teaming thinking of the the lines and and lyrics and melodies that are going to fit well and sing well and well and I think one of the cool things too about even just going to Nashville and having that experience this was my first real experience writing music with writers and um and it was a bunch of us in a 
small studio in um, Austin Cannon, who helped produce um, Clear the Room, he was sitting at his computer or at, at a keyboard, um, kind of laying down tracks and stuff like that. But then the comical part was like we were all on a Google Doc like a shared Google Doc. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned the whiteboard thing. Oh, yeah. The whiteboard of our generation, <laughs> sure. I guess. Um, but and we everyone's got their different of, colored cursor. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's loading. It there's a little bit of a lag, so someone will delete something, and then someone else will delete it, too. And, <laughs> um, but it was funny, too. That's when you know it really needed to be deleted, yeah, when multiple, when multiple people, people were trying to delete the same thing. Um, but it was cool because... Yeah, we were all working on the same thing, kind of doing our own. Um, and Caleb thinks about things really instrumentally and really cool in that way. And so he was thinking a ton about um, different melody structure and stuff like that. And so I think it was cool to be all in the room, huddled around our computers working on that. Um, yeah, more often than not in a writing session, we'll, uh, I, when I'm scheduling a writing session for a song, I'm thinking about we want someone who's going to be good at at being on the computer and recording the session as we're going and kind of getting the instrumental tracked and, mm -hmm. and recorded. And they're a crucial part of the writing process. And then I want, I want someone who's really good at lyrics and, and both Malia and, and Tyler are really great at just thinking of, of lyrics that, that are profound and, and deep and relatable to the church. And, and, and then I want someone who's thinking about melodies and, and thinking broadly about how how is the church going to be able to sing this? How is the person who's leading this song going to be able to sing it? Mm. Is there ad-libs that they should be doing? And so so usually I want at least those three people in the room and, and every writer has their own kind of skill set and the thing that they're that they lean towards. And so what'll be fun over the years because your guys are still so early in this process, right? Like totally. There's, there's like how fun. you do it now. But, you know, like, I mean, I, I've watched all kinds, of, I'm sure you guys have too, behind the scenes stuff on how this song or that thing, and to see how that process unfolds will be, will be really fun. What, um, is, there a, is there a song that's part of this project that you go like, man, the way that one came together, if everything had come together as quickly and easily and smoothly as that one, it'd be amazing. Anything like that? There are two that stand out to me, and I, I think Malia and Tyler should just talk about those songs individually, I think Malia should talk about Closer and, and Tyler should talk about Infinite. Those songs were amazing and just really felt the spirit moving. By the song. way, I love that there's two songs with those two titles. I just think, I mean, I think that's one of the profound realities about the Lord is that he's so close and imminent and he's so transcendent and infinite. And I yeah. think that, you know, I don't know if those two songs will be back to back on the album, but I think that's a really cool idea. We were talking about that as a as one of the major themes of the album in, mm. in, in general, that, that the transcendence of God and the imminence of God are both displayed in this in this mm. album in a way that I think is, is really helpful. Well, yeah, Malia, what you want to talk about Closer? Yeah, um, Caleb and I got to write Closer, um, and it was actually before our Nashville writing trip, so it was the first song that we, I think, kind of wrote for the... For the album, um, but we did it over at Arcadia in our worship studio, um, and it was an interesting process because I think we started with just, we had no idea what song we were going to write, um, but we started with just this idea that God is near and that our, um, kind of our prayer as Christians is just to be closer to him and to be more like him, and um, and that kind of became a bigger theme over the course of the album but um but the chorus is just a super sweet um it's two lines but it's just Jesus draw me closer closer Jesus draw me closer to you and I remember when we were writing this song we had those two lines pretty quickly and I think we actually started with the chorus and we had that chorus really quickly and we kind of tossed around the idea of do we need to add anything to it and I think it was a really cool moment because we all agreed I think that's the whole chorus. Like, I think that's mm. the whole idea and the whole um, kind of hook of the song is that that's our prayer and our desire. And so then we were able to structure verses around that. Um, but it was just a really sweet moment of worship of just, that's our prayer. Mm. Jesus draws closer to you. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, that, that process I think was really smooth because when you start out knowing where the song is going, then, um, it just kind of flows from there. 
Um, and so I remember that song being an easy right and just a sweet time of, of worship and kind of getting to talk through those things That's fun. with each other, which was really cool. That's great. And then Infinite, Tyler? Yeah, with Infinite, when we started out the writing session, there was kind of a desire that we were going to have to want to uh, just sort of express the the majesty and greatness of God. So from the beginning, we were thinking about this just being a very big idea uh, for who, who God is and with the transcendence on our mind. Uh, and so we, we started out with sort of just throwing a bunch of descriptive words on mm. on, on our whiteboard or on our Google Doc. Yeah. Uh, think, you know, infinite, limitless, matchless, magnificent, boundless, and measureless, perfect in holiness. Uh, and, and of course it didn't all come out that, that smooth, uh, mm-hmm. but we were placing these words out on the Google doc and then sort of just putting them in order in a way that would make sense with what became a melody. So is that yeah. actually the lyric? What yeah, you just yeah, said? That, yeah, that's right. Uh, he's infinite, limitless, matchless, magnificent, boundless, and measureless, perfect in holiness. Wow. And it just stuck with us as we began yeah. to sing those words. And the mess that that started out with, I'm, I'm looking at our original <laughs> Google Doc was, the heavens can't contain you, so how could I explain you? Boundless, love is limitless, mercy is measureless, infinite, everlasting, unparalleled. All of these words were words that we just were thinking about sure. and, and and kind of letting fill us and, and just thinking about who God is was able to form the melodies and, and well, and that's that such an interesting music. example of just what worship music is because like what you just read, Caleb is like, those are all true things. Those right. are all wonderful things about the Lord, but you can't sing that, right? Whatever right. that was, was like, nah, that ain't it. Right. You, and you that doesn't stick that? in your head and it doesn't. Right. And, uh, and I think that's some of, I mean, that's some of what I just love even about the Bible is the craftsmanship of the authors of scripture who are taking not just a bunch of random true things, but taking it and crafting it and trying mm-hmm. to communicate it in a certain way to make a certain point and to do something. And, and you're doing the same thing in the songwriting, which is yeah fun, but also, um, I don't know, you're shaping people's imaginations for the Lord. What's, yeah. how, what's that like? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and it comes back to what we were saying about the heart and the skill is that that the heart is certainly the priority, but you can have all that heart in the world um, with these words, but there, there's a real skill to, to putting them in an order that is going to uh, make sense both for the listener and for the one who is going to be singing these things, mm. the, the, the prayers that are going to be on the lips of the people. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we've found that, that uh, as we've sung some of these songs in our congregation so far, um, that there's the response of the corporate body in having these be words that they are praying, mm. the words that they are praying together to the Lord uh, has been a, a real special experience for us. Mm. And as a worship leader, there's, there's, I think there's some, there, there's, that's a real rewarding element of leading worship uh, when this thing that you have uh, sort of poured your, your sweat and your tears sure. into yeah. uh, is, is being embraced and then sort of prayed by the people in the congregation. Yeah. And I think it's cool too, because in, in both of those songs, um, it's a cool opportunity that we have to write songs about the truth of who God is, but also on kind of during the writing process, we also get to, to think like, okay, can we place ourselves in that story though? And while the song like infinite is talking about who God is and his majesty and in all of that, there's still an element of when I'm singing that, am I able to, as Caleb said, like let that song fill me up and, and how is that? Like, what is that like with the worship leader and with the congregation and with closer? It was the same thing of, can I place myself in this story and no matter where I am. And I think that's where the process becomes really personal and sweet too, is being on the writing side of it and being able to, to write these stories that people can place themselves in Mm. and identify with, which is really cool. That's great. So, so we've been talking about around this album. So there's three songs that have been released so far. Um, and then a few more will trickle and then eventually there will be kind of a full length album or what's, what's kind of the plan for that? Yeah. So in September is, is our tentative release date. Um, so we're hanging on for months here. Oh man, we're talking about this album and closer and infinite. I I want it now. I gotta wait months. Okay, so so, so so about every month. Okay, there'll be a new song. Okay, that that you can listen to and, and I, I I can see it getting antsy over there. Yeah, but, but it's coming. 
Um, and we've got, we've got these songs basically finished at this point, and we're just wanting to take the time to, to really allow these songs to settle into our, our congregation and, and for people to, to take the time to own the songs individually as they come out. Um, have you had, this is such a bad question, but have you had any songs that you've been real excited about for this album that you've started singing with the church and it's like people are like, don't like that one. And you're starting to like, eh, maybe we shouldn't put that one on the album. <laughs> that feels like a real journalism gotcha question or something. But I, I was just thinking I, that would I'm be really, that'd be, be really, that'd be I'm, really funny if that happened. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be candid about that. We, we introed a song called The Cross. It just came out. Uh-huh on Easter and we were so excited about it. And I was like, this is going to be like, this is going to be the song that like everyone like loves. Uh And we didn't realize that like when you intro a new song on Easter, no one knows it. That's right. That's right. So at this point people have, have started to, to take the song and own it and, and, and sing with us. But on Easter, I was leading it, and I was like, what is happening? Like, they hate this. There and a lot of blank stares. Well, on Easter, it should have been called The Resurrection. <laughs> the cross know, was Good Friday. I know, I know. We, that's, that's, why it, that's why it flopped. Yeah, well, that's, I, when I heard about Bach writing a new thing every week, I'm like, that stinks. Nobody would know these songs. But anyway. Yeah. But they've gotten into it. Yeah. But you had an I, initial scare. I so. think they got there. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's that good. was more of a functional thing for new folks on Easter. It just didn't didn't fly as well as maybe we had hopes. Uh, another answer to that question is that there are songs that we wrote in Nashville that that aren't going to make it on mm. onto the album. That that for whatever reason just did not um, land in the same way as the ones that that will will make it. Um, and that's okay. Uh, those will maybe end up other places, um, yeah. you know, recorded in other ways. Um, well, I love the humility of that because when you guys are saying like, "Hey, we're writing these songs for our church." If there's songs that don't really click for the church, you're not just going to kind of ram it through. You're going to go, okay, like, we'll listen to that and pay attention to that. Right? Well, I think, That's cool. I think, too, that process was great for us just to, or at least, I guess, speaking for myself, to grow in. Because um, I remember Tyler and uh, another guy that was on our worship um, riding retreat with us we like got together and wrote this song the first day in Nashville and we were really into it it's a good song and I remember we at the end of the week we kept all the songs secret and then we showed it at the end of the week to Caleb and I think we all were a little bit like that was better the first day when we wrote it a- after like the four hours uh, we you had to be there writing it you had to be there yeah it's kind of you had to be there moment and hopefully we can do something with those songs later and keep reworking them and and fine-tuning them but yeah even just in that experience it was interesting to have that kind of behind the behind the scenes well i just think i think the process i mean that there's a lot of what anything creative is is you're working and you're crafting and you're developing and at some point you send it right you it has to see the light of day it has to be sung it has to be played it has to be presented it has to be spoken yeah, it has to be painted forever yeah and like at some point you kind of put it out there into the world and the that just takes a lot of courage and so i think that's a really cool cool process i i want to kind of close maybe talking about some just larger worship and music sort of trend things that i pay attention to and i'm curious how you guys think about this so we haven't talked through all these um in advance so uh, hopefully these won't surprise you too much but but one thing i notice is like when i go to a when i go to a typical if there is such thing today as a typical church so not the church malia grew up in with the organ or the piano but like a band there's an acoustic guitar an electric guitar a bass keys drums some vocals it uh when i listen to anything on the Spotify top 40, I can barely hear any of those instruments. I hear a lot of boops and bips and bops. It's very electronic. It's very highly programmed. Um, Like worship bands feel like they're just absolutely primed for like 90s alternative rock, which I happen to freaking love. But I listen to like current music and I'm like going, I don't hear any worship music that sounds like this, except maybe, I mean, Mosaic, is a band I know that does yeah. some stuff like that. Hillsong Young and Free a little bit, but w- what do you make of that? Like, will will or should churches start basically going, hey, we're scrapping the band and we've got the pad up there and we're going to beep and boop our way through this? Or should we keep the thing? I mean, are we outdated? Are we, what's, what, what do you see with that trend? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think about that all the time, literally all the time. Um, but I, it's it's cool to me to see churches like Mosaic that are kind of exploring that new territory of what what like makes a worship song a worship song. Is it is it the the live drums and the bass and the electric guitar? I mean, honestly, at this point, when you listen to worship songs you can't hear the electric guitar because all of the electric guitarists are like, let's put so many pedals on this. It doesn't even sound like a guitar anymore. So okay. there's this like interesting thing where I think churches are trying to figure out what that looks like, but there's this thing that we kind of feel forced into. And I, we've started to explore some of that with, with adding tracks to our sets on Sundays and, and adding pads that, that the drummer can play. And, um, well, a lot of it to me seems like the practical reality of like people grow up taking piano lessons or taking right. guitar lessons or taking drum lessons. They don't grow up taking beeps and boops lessons. Now, a lot of them are teaching themselves, right? I mean, right. people are doing a lot of this. Uh, but I wonder like, is that like, like at some point will we look back on the like five piece, yeah, you know, my, my band heart. and go and feel like, yeah, that's kind of like the organ yeah. My heart isn't to try to copy what top 40 pop music is doing, but it also isn't to copy what we've decided church music is. So I, I spend, I spend a lot of the time when I'm getting to produce the songs that are going to be on our record thinking about, well, could, could this sound like a, a rock song? Like we've got a, a couple songs that are heavier than most things you would hear on a, on a worship record. And we've got some other songs that are more beeps and boops if, if that's what we're gonna call it <laughs> you can you can use a better term if, if you have one for me electric uh, electric yeah, yeah i'm just thinking about the vibe a lot and i just want I, I want the the church to be able to have their own vibe and try new things and i love that kind of creativity and I, i'm excited to see i i think the church is kind of at the pinnacle of this thing that's happening in, in music right now like there's there's no bounds because churches our size of of 450 people can make a record that sounds as good as anything that's on Caleb right now because yeah. it, it doesn't cost that much money to make a record yeah so that's interesting tyler yeah i sort of have two thoughts about this one is uh, i think the the christian music industry can get into trouble if we are trying to copy what's being played sort of in outside of the church and so you, you You've mentioned Bach already in this conversation, but uh, Bach was not trying to copy any other composers that he was around. He was he was leading the way in terms of what could be written uh, musically. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I remember growing up, uh, you know, going to a Christian bookstore, and and there was there were signs uh, near near the al albums that were saying things like, you know, if you like Pearl Jam, yeah, uh, right. listen to Plank Eye. Yeah, these yeah. guys are too young for that, but I, I remember that too. Yeah. yeah, and so there would be sort of like this, this band that you could listen to that was like one of the other bands. Sure. And, uh, the, I, you know, I actually loved listening to Plank Eye, um, but part of the problem with that approach is it, it ended up being sort of just a not quite as good version <laughs> sure. of, of what you're trying to, to right. listen to. And so I think the church can get into trouble when we're trying to copy what's going on in the world. And, and for the longest time, that was flipped where the church was leading the way musically. And, and my hope is that um, the church can sort of lead the way musically in the, in the years that are ahead uh, rather than trying to copy copy the world now the flip side of that conversation is that i also see uh, music as a kind of a language right and so sure there is a uh, it's it's often been been called the universal language and so we can communicate uh musically with people based on what is being heard and if we look at music like a language and we're hoping to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus, one of the best ways that we can do that is through, is through music, mm. is, is through what the, the story is that we're telling with our music. And so if I think missionally uh, with what we're looking at um, with the people around us in the cities that we're leading in, uh, we're wanting to actually speak the language that the people in the city will understand and hear. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So uh, another trend that I see, this is kind of less like culturally, but just kind of in the worship world is like these super, super long songs, right? So if you listen to Maverick City or you listen to Elevation or you listen to Bethel or Hillsong or anything, I mean, it's every song is like eight to 12 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's, and, and a lot of times for me, I mean, this just is my personal taste after about five minutes, I feel like they nailed it. And then they kept going. <laughs> now, if I bet if you're in the room, all these are live recordings, right? And, and, uh, so I'm curious how, how does that, um, not just what's your personal feeling about it, but like, is that, or should that be shaping how, how you do stuff? Like, have you gone, you know what, we want to create more, more sets where it's like, we really only sang two songs, but we sang for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And we created a lot of space and a lot of, you know, kind of a, it, it wasn't like start, stop, start, stop. Or, or how do you, you know, I don't know. How do you, how do you guys interact with that trend? It's interesting. Cause when you look at, I, when I'm, when I'm working on a song, I'm thinking about the, the charts on, on Christian radio because mm -hmm. we're not isolated from that. Sure. That's the context that we're, we're writing in and for. And but Christian radio, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of those songs, they'll cut them down. Right. Right. They'll figure out right. how to take this eight minute Mav City song and sure. turn it into a three minute version. Right. With more beeps and boops because they know it's going to be on the radio. Right. Yeah. It, it's all interesting. Like we should be taking into account the, the things that are being sung in our church and, and churches broadly, yet we don't sing seven minute songs at Redemption Arcadia. We sing about four and a half minute songs. And so the songs that we're recording are a little bit more tailored towards that. Yeah. But I think we're open to, to trying different lengths. I don't know. When I think about the long song, the eight minute song, I think it's also tied together with what would be described as spontaneous moments in worship. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of churches that are, that are sort of doing the spontaneous thing where, where a song or a chorus will be repeated or an extra bridge will be added so that there can be sort of this, spontaneous quote-unquote moment of, mm -hmm. of worship i think the the benefit to that is that there's an idea of we're we're interacting with uh this god who is timeless uh, who also stepped into time and so mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things that music does is it, is it takes sort of something that is in many ways timeless and puts it into time into meter mm -hmm. and so i think with spontaneous worship or these eight minute songs what they what what they're getting right is the idea of of the the timelessness of the god that we're reflecting mm -hmm. in this moment yeah. and 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 that's the part of that that i, that I love uh, the flip side of the coin is that that can be drawn out and be something that that ends up losing sort of the power and the effect of, of what you're trying to do, and so I think we have to we have to balance uh, sort of the desire to be reflecting the timelessness of God with sort of the fact that we are in a moment, and and one of the ways that I think we've done that is that we've either trimmed an eight minute song down to, to four or five minutes, or we've used a longer song and we've put a short chorus of a different song at the end of it so that we're sort of counteracting the a long song with a shorter song and mm. not having a bunch of eight minute songs right back to back. Yeah. Yeah. At one point I, I can't remember who I heard say this, but they said, you know, worship is a uh, glorious waste of time. Yeah. Marva Don. Is that who said it? And I, I may have not quoted that exactly, mm -hmm. but along the, and I first read, it, I was like, what? And then I was like, you know what? I love that. Yeah. It is the sense of going like, we're not in a hurry here. Like we have all, We've forever to enjoy the Lord. Like this isn't about maximizing efficiency. It's about just enjoy. I mean, how long would you like to just enjoy being with somebody you love? Like well, so you're like not in a hurry, right? So, yeah, I appreciate that. It's interesting when I think about even just having gone around Redemption. About the only place where I where I know of, and there may be some other spots, is I know Redemption Alhambra will have some real long songs they're re they're so interesting i don't know if you guys have have been there but yeah. they uh i don't even know how to describe what they do um it's dope <laughs> it's it's amazing you're just trying stuff i love it and it's it's amazing and funky and kind of hard to describe but it but yeah i think most of the other congregations are probably not doing that and maybe some of that has to do with just kind of other things like you know a lot of the spontaneity comes in much more Pentecostal environments and other things. And, but it, yeah, that's a trend. Here's another trend. I'm curious if you, well, you guys, I see a lot more like um, gospel influences on kind of like, obviously gospel music has been strong forever. It's not like newly strong, but it seems to be influencing more of kind of the music that generally impacts more white churches. Um, so I hear more 
choir in the background. I'll hear more kind of gospel funk sort of uh, music. I don't know the best way to describe it. Um, in a lot of the like videos you see on YouTube, you see these smaller groups of people crammed in a room in the round and they're all kind of worshiping and it's like this really amazing thing. Um, how, how do you see that influencing what you guys are doing or not? I think it certainly is. Uh, one of the, one of the bands that I was, um, really into in, in the worship, uh, sphere is the house fires. And mm, yeah. so, so those, the videos that you see in the house fires with, with the worship in the round and everybody's in a room and, and, um, uh, and then of course Maverick city is, has, has done that as well. Uh, but I think that is something that has influenced sort of our view of what it would mean to gather together, uh, in worship with the, with the Lord and with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually, we actually did a worship in the round for our Easter services. Yeah. Uh, I saw some pictures of that. It was very cool. Uh, and Caleb had this, this, this dream for us being able to do that. And, and it ended up just being a beautiful time that, that, that we were able to do. And one of the things that was so funny about it is that people uh, commented afterwards how that they felt exposed in that, mm-hmm. in that arrangement because there were people on the other side of the room that were actually looking across the room and making eye contact with you know, mm-hmm. during the worship. And there was a communal element of that, that maybe we don't always get with yeah. sort of our, everybody facing forward and, and, and long, you know, long stretch of a building. Uh, what we loved about that is that one, it did sort of force us to be more communal in our approach to, to the, the, the corporate worship that mm. we were, that we were engaging in. And two, it did remind us that we were gathered together around this mission of Christ. Mm, and so sure. we, we had baptisms on Easter Sunday that, awesome. were, that were right in the middle of the room. Uh, and so that, that, that tradition and, and house fires in Maverick City weren't the first groups to do this. Sure. The, the, the church in the round is actually an ancient tradition. Uh-huh. Um, and we, that's something that we've talked about as, as Arcadia worship. Uh, we don't want to be uh, so naive or prideful to think that we're reinventing any of the, of the wheel with this stuff. We're sure. not, we're not coming mm-hmm. up with sort of our own uh, concepts about God. We're, we're merely taking what has been said for all of time about the creator of the world. And we're trying to reflect that in our current time yeah. and space. And so we want to be able to uh, borrow from sort of the best of what's, what's happening now uh, and, and the best of what's gone on in the future uh, as it is, as God leads us appropriately in our, in our space. Yeah. Totally. Well, you just mentioned the future. So let's, let's kind of finish there. Um, and I'll ask all three of you start with Malia. When you think about kind of the future of Arcadia worship, both in terms of what happens on Sundays, but also the production of, you know, music for your church and beyond. What are some of your hopes for the future? Wow, broad question. Um, I, I feel like specifically for Sundays, I think you talked about this earlier, but um, just for us to continue to grow as a singing church, mm. um, one of the greatest gifts of getting to be a worship leader is singing alongside and with the people and I think the greatest experiences I've had with Arcadia have been um, just hearing them sing in the Sundays where they're singing so loudly that that's just booming back at us and so um, I think that's one of my my big prayers is that we would grow as a singing church Um, and I think that comes hand in hand with growing closer to Jesus and um, in our worship of him so I think that that's huge with what we're doing on Sundays. And then I think, um, with Arcadia worship, um, I think my prayer is that the songs that we're able to release and future songs that we're able to write will continue to, um, be the stories of what God has done in and through our people. And, um, and so I think my heart is very much for the local church and the people that we get to know and sing with every Mm. Sunday. And so I think with Arcadia worship, I hope that that, um, those songs continue to minister to our people and to the people in our church. Yeah, that's great. Caleb, what about you? What, what's something you hope to see in the future? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, the way that redemption is structured is is really exciting to me. And I think this is my thought here is sort of a reflection of that. I love that when we get to write songs, one of my biggest prayers has been that God would just take these songs as far away from from us and and from me as possible. I, I I want God to take them as as far as He wants to. Yeah. Whether that's to other redemption congregations or whether that's to to 
the the big C church at, at large and and he's already started to do some of that with connections that we've made in in the the broader music world and yeah and that's we've, fun we've made connections with with people that are making pop records and just getting to influence people that are creating and 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 getting to have influence in that world and and reflect God's goodness and glory yeah. to other artists that maybe don't know Jesus but yeah. but we get to show that to them and in the same way with other other churches like the Belonging Co we've got some great relationships with folks over there and and other churches and so nice. it's, it's just fun to build relationships hmm. that's great yeah Tyler uh I don't know how much of this was your dream or how much of it just kind of happened as you created space for other people to lead but when you kind of see this going forward what, what excites you about the future um, well, yeah, what you just said actually is, is a big part of what have, how God has, has made my heart. I, I get most excited when people in the church get to step into their gifting and their calling in the way that God has built them. And so I'm, I, I'm really passionate about helping leaders develop in their areas of strength. And so, um, much of what I hope for in the future is to continue to be able to see God use the people of redemption Arcadia and Redemption Church, Arizona, uh, towards the giftings that he's given them. And so I, 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 we have examples of that in Caleb and Malia and how, how they're um, growing in the Lord and in their leadership. I'm super excited for their continued leadership at Arcadia. Uh, we have, uh, you know, interns that, that, that spend time with us and, and grow up in worship leading at Arcadia. I'm excited for how God's going to raise them up in our church and then send them out. Um, and then I'm excited uh, for the ways that God has continued to help build the relationship between worship leaders in all of Redemption Church mm, yeah. with, with people that we've spent time with at other congregations. And come, you know, Brandon comes to mind at Tempe and Connor and Gilbert. And uh, we, we've each of us has, has actually had an opportunity to to go lead at other congregations um, in Redemption Church. So I'm just excited about how God ha- will continue continue to use the giftings and the passions of the people at Redemption Church for his glory in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for your work on this. And yeah, if people want to connect with this, just look up Arcadia Worship and they'll uh, find your songs, what's out, what's coming out. And uh, that'll be a fun thing to keep track of. But yeah, I just, I appreciate you guys' hearts. And um, I think everybody uh, that listens to what you're doing is going to be blessed by it. So thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, thanks so for being here. And uh, for all of y'all that have been tuning in, thanks for listening. Uh, If this is helpful, share it with somebody. And uh, we'll be back next month with another conversation inside Redemption. So see you then.